Hi, this is Guillermo calling from a ferry somewhere between Finland and Estonia. Traveling with me are my husband and our little dog, Babe, who is about to be visiting his 14th country. This podcast was recorded at... 1.13 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday, July 25th of 2023. Things may have changed by the time you hear this. Okay, here's the show. Hey there, it's the NPR Politics Podcast. I'm Asma Khalid. I cover the White House. I'm Tom Bowman. I cover the Pentagon. And today on the show, we are joined by NPR international correspondent Daniel Estrin. It is great to have you with us, Daniel. Thanks for having me. So you have done some really compelling reporting that pokes holes in the U.S. government's claims about a big celebrated military operation. In 2019, U.S. special forces raided the Syrian hideout of Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, the man often described as the founder of ISIS. The president at the time, Donald Trump, called the operation impeccable, and military officials said troops protected noncombatants. But, Daniel, you obtained confidential documents that reveal flaws in the Pentagon's claim that deadly airstrikes did not hit civilians. And I should say this comes as the Biden administration also has begun to articulate a new plan to reduce civilian casualties. So I I want us to rewind. Take us back to 2019, Daniel, the night of this raid in Syria. What is the government's version of events? Well, the government says that U.S. helicopters arrived in in Syria to capture or kill Baghdadi. Combatants started arriving, um, saw the helicopters arriving and and started flowing to that area. And combatants opened fire on U.S. aircraft. Uh, U.S. helicopters killed them with airstrikes. And then this is where uh, our reporting enters. A van shows up around that same area and starts driving down this dark village road in the direction of troops who were raiding Baghdadi's compound further down the road. And the military's central claim is that troops fired warning shots along the road to try to get the van to stop. But the van didn't change course. It kept driving. And so the Pentagon said this van demonstrated hostile intent toward troops. And so uh, the military targeted the van with airstrikes. Uh, they called them necessary airstrikes. And the military determined the men in the van were unlawful enemy belligerents, enemy combatants. So what did you find out in these new documents you obtained? Yeah, we, we actually sued the Pentagon to get a copy of its confidential review of this incident. This review was originally classified as secret, not to be distributed to foreign governments or foreign civilians. Uh, but we got a redacted copy. It was declassified and, and uh, given to us in the context of this lawsuit through the Freedom of Information Act. And these Pentagon documents we received include aerial surveillance images from the operation. We also got uh, previously classified emails from Pentagon officials. And we looked at those documents and we found flaws in the Pentagon's claims. The central claim uh, is that the van ignored warning shots. But when we compared the aerial images in the report with the other documentation in the report, we determined that those warning shots provided hardly any warning at all, that the troops fired just about two or three seconds before launching airstrikes on the van and then airstrikes on the men as they fleed the van. We concluded that the Pentagon provided no evidence that the victims were enemy combatants beyond that split-second assessment by U.S. troops in the dark night of that raid. We found the Pentagon walked back an earlier claim they made to NPR that the van had fired on troops. In fact, the van 
did not open fire. And uh, we found something curious. We found that U.S. officials uh, did not compile an intelligence dossier as the confidential report recommended, a dossier that was supposed to support the claim that the victims were enemy combatants. So, Daniel, if the men were not enemy combatants, according to your reporting, who are they? Who were they? Well, we spoke to the only survivor of the airstrikes on the van. His name is Barakat Ahmad Barakat. He's 39 now. Um, And he said he and his two friends were just driving down that village road after they were working in an olive oil press. This was in October. This was in the uh, during the the olive harvest season in Syria. And so they're driving, uh, taking him back home. And suddenly they come under fire. And uh, he says his two friends were killed. And he was severely disabled. His hand was blown off. He had to get the rest of the, the arm amputated. And the other arm has barely functioned because of shrapnel that he received. He has five young kids. He struggles to feed them. He says he can't work, can't find work, can't afford his $8 physical therapy sessions. Um, And he's hoping for compensation from the U.S. My future is destroyed. I have a family, kids. How is this their fault? We have been speaking to him since 2019 when that raid happened. It's been four years. He says he was hoping to hear from the U.S. Army to speak with him about what happened, and he says he never did. If you're looking at it from the military perspective, if you have your people on the ground, well, how much time do you give that van? That's the key question. Is it five more seconds, ten more seconds? I think that is the challenge for, for people involved in this kind of enterprise. And I do know that they considered taking out this compound with bombs, just dropping them from the sky. The ISIS Baghdadi compound Correct. entirely. Interesting. That they were just going to take the whole warfare. Yeah, a drone or you know yeah. air, U.S. airstrikes from F-16s or other aircraft coming in, just take the whole compound out. Uh-huh. They knew there were eleven children there, and what they do is what's called a pattern of life. They watch a site for days, if not weeks, to see who's coming in, who's coming out. They knew there were a lot of children there, so General Frank McKenzie, the head of Central Command went to the White House, talked to President Trump and said, I think we have to do a ground raid. Mm. And that's what they did. And again, as your people are going into the compound or near the compound, and unfortunately this van shows up, they're not going to give it a lot of time. The bottom line is this is really a tragedy. But Daniel's reporting has shown that these guys, they had pay stubs. They said they were agricultural workers. Mm -hmm. It's not like they were sitting at the compound shooting at the helicopters. The only evidence of hostile intent by this van was it kept moving. There's no evidence that anyone in the van was actually firing at the helicopters. Again, it just seems to be the van kept moving after the warning shots. I guess my question is, given the reporting that you have found out, Daniel, why has the military not bothered to contact the same person you did? Or why have they not further investigated the situation? In the documents that we received in this lawsuit, uh, the Pentagon questions the veracity of the survivor accounts uh, given to NPR, and yet it it didn't do what it could have done. We've been speaking to him on the phone. Um, You can call him. You can contact the survivor. It never did and never conducted a full formal investigation. Hmm. All right. Time for a quick break. We'll be back in a moment. And we're back. And Daniel, you know, you were saying that initially, according to the confidential documents you obtained, the Pentagon seemed to question the version of events that you articulated 
from the sole survivor in this van. Um, now, after your reporting, have you got heard any of a sort of different assessment from the Pentagon? Well, we brought our findings to the Pentagon. They said uh, no formal full investigation was open because they determined this civilian casualties claim to be not credible and they had nothing else to offer us. But I had also asked the Pentagon about a nonprofit group based in New York, the Zomia Center, which uh, it has taken up the case of the Syrian survivor of this airstrike. Uh, that group asked the Pentagon to, to reopen this file, to take another look. And uh, after we inquired with the Pentagon about that, this group did hear back from the Defense Department saying that they would take a look at that request to reopen the file. I should say that we heard from three Congress members uh, in response to our investigation. House Representative Sarah Jacobs from the House Armed Services Committee is calling for the Pentagon to reopen this case. Uh, she says she's deeply concerned by the reports finding flaws in the Pentagon's investigative process that may have resulted in dismissing credible claims of civilians maimed and killed. She believes that the Pentagon should reopen this investigation immediately and, quote, make amends if necessary. We also heard from Senator Dick Durbin. He says he's, quote, troubled by the findings of the NPR investigation. He thinks that uh, the Pentagon should take a fresh look at past strikes where civilian harm has been alleged. And finally, we heard from Senator Chris Murphy on the uh, Senate Foreign Relations Committee, who says, quote, it is inexcusable that this investigation was so flawed and clearly incomplete. Mm. You know, last year, Tom, the Pentagon announced this plan to reduce the number of civilians killed in military operations. Do you have any sense of what those measures might be, how they might affect the situation Daniel's describing? You know, we were talking about this before we went on air. We were reading from the report itself. It's it's very lawyer-like, bureaucraties. There's no real uh, detail in there about exactly how they would do this. Again, as I mentioned, the Baghdadi raid, they did a pattern of life. You watch a site before you attack. They realize there are 11 children there. They decided not to drop bombs and kill everyone, decided to go in on the ground. Clearly, in this case, they tried to limit civilian casualties. How are they going to do it in the future? Again, it's it's very vague language. We really don't know exactly how they're going to do it. I've spoken to several experts, former advisors for the Defense Department, including Larry Lewis of the Center for Naval Analyses, who worked specifically with the Pentagon on the issue of civilian casualties. And he says, you know, this new plan to mitigate civilian casualties is a commitment to do better in the future, but it's they do not commit to relitigating past cases. But he still thinks that there is this new spirit at the Pentagon to do better um, and to, to, to prevent civilian casualties. And because of that new spirit, he thinks there might be reason for hope for uh, the Syrian survivor, Barakat Ahmad Barakat, uh, that maybe the Pentagon would be willing to, to look at this case again. All right. Well, let's leave it there for today. NPR's Daniel Estrin, thank you very much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm Asma Khalid. I cover the White House. I'm Tom Bowman. I cover the Pentagon. And thank you all, as always, for listening to the NPR Politics Podcast.